Well, I just want to share uh, just a couple of comments. First of all, whenever I see a, a family come out and, and friends to support a family when they do a dedication or a baptism, Casey and Caitlin's family, I just think it's remarkable. Uh, many of you flew in from out of town, and yeah, there you go. You can do that. But uh, just your support and advocacy for them, uh, it's, just, it's uh, very, very remarkable. And also, just on the, the topic of community, I love hearing you sing as a church. And, and when Brian pulls away from the piano and I just kind of hear the singing of this church, it just gives me goosebumps. I absolutely love it. It's almost in a, in a way that, that you're the choir. You know, you're singing out loud and you're the choir. And, and feel free to tell your friends and family, say, hey, I'm a part of a choir. They might be a little surprised by that, but that's okay. Uh, you're singing out loud, but uh, it's, it's very moving for Brian and I to, uh, to hear that. Let me pray for us as we jump into this morning's sermon. God in heaven, we give thanks for this morning. And uh, Lord, as we prayed last week um, from Second Kings chapter 3, that as a community that we're, we're digging ditches and we're wanting uh, your reign to come. And uh, God, we ask that you continue to send your reign, that you would water uh, the hearts and the minds of the, the people in our church community. And God, also for the people in the surrounding areas right now that are sleeping or just watching TV, um, we desire to reach out to them. Uh, part of our mission is to go, and we want to be a light and be a difference in the Maple Grove and Osseo and surrounding areas. Uh, so God, we just pray that you continue to send your reign upon this community um, as we enter into Advent and as we uh, look ahead at 2015. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Well, over the past couple weeks, I've had conversations with, with several people here at the church, and it seems like a, uh, a few phrases that I hear repeated over and over. It's, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overscheduled, and I'm really bored with your sermons. No. Actually, it's, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overscheduled, and I'm exhausted. It seems like I've been hearing uh, those phrases repeated over, just in different ways, but kind of the, the common themes that, that many of us right here are uh, overloaded and worn out. And in the, in the short lifetime that I've had, it seems like it's more than ever before right now. And the thought of actually baking a turkey or having a house full of people this Thursday is, is, a, is enough to blow your circuits. I was just talking to somebody a couple weeks ago, and she's telling me they're having 60 people over for Thanksgiving this Thursday. Something that she does for her family and for her immediate family. And maybe, and maybe for you it's not 60, maybe it's 16, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 6. It really doesn't matter. Uh, kind of where you're at right now, that you're overwhelmed and overscheduled and exhausted. And the idea of another Thanksgiving full of people is just enough to wear you out. And you would give anything... You would give anything to slip out of town Thursday morning, get on an airplane, and land in the Cayman Islands and be on a beach all by yourself, right? Yeah, I think for a lot of us right now, we are worn out. And it doesn't matter if you're younger, if you're old, if you're in college, if you're in the marketplace, if you're an executive or a housewife, it really doesn't matter. A lot of us are experiencing that right now. And this morning... I want to take a break away from our current ser sermon series. We're in the Gospel of John as a church community for the past couple of months. And this morning, I want to take a break away from that. And we'll return to uh, the Gospel of John this upcoming Sunday as we begin Advent together. The first Sunday of Advent is, is next Sunday. And I want to encourage you to come to that, that series. 
as we go through the gospel, John and Wake are, make our way to the, to the manger. This morning, I, I felt like uh, God impressing upon my heart to give a message for you and for me. Because I feel that at times, being overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. And some, sometimes, people might, like me, there's actually an adrenaline rush being that overscheduled. So this sermon is for you, but in many ways, it's for me as well. And if there's ever a time that we need to hear uh, a, a topic like this of, of being overscheduled and looking at steps that we can simplify our lives, what can you and I do to move away from that sort of busyness and actually move towards simplifying our lives? If there's ever a time to hear a message like this, it's right now as we enter into the holidays. And when I dive into the story of uh, God in the scriptures, if there's one person that kind of um, embodies this, this sense of being overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted, it's a woman named Martha. It's a woman named Martha in the scriptures. And even though Jesus had hundreds of followers, and he had his 12 disciples, within that he had an he had inner circle. And I believe that there was Peter, James, and John that a lot of us know, the three disciples, but also I believe there was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were kind of like an inner circle for him. Good friends, best friends. In fact, um, they lived in a town called Bethany. That was just outside of Jerusalem. Kind of, it was kind of like a suburb of the day. And I believe that in their house they had a room kind of set aside for Jesus. So when he went through a, a kind of a, a busy ministry mode, that he'd have a place to stay. That he had sort of a, a safe place, a refuge, sort of, so to speak. And I think Jesus, as we see in the scriptures, he used it from time to time on his travels, where he would come to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house and, and kind of call time out when he experienced being a little bit overwhelmed, um, overscheduled, and exhausted, to come to their place and be with them. And on this one occasion in Luke chapter 10, he stops in to see his friends. So if you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to uh, Luke chapter 10. Verse 38, and if you don't have a Bible, there's a pew Bible in front of you. Feel free to turn to that, or you can look up on the slides, or if you have an iPhone or iPad, whatever you want to use for your scriptures. But we're going to move to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, the NLT translation, and looking at this remarkable story. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village. This would have been Bethany. Where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. How many of us have felt that before? It's kind of like, look at this person over here. My, my sister or my brother or my spouse or my kids, they're not doing anything. And I'm the one that is, that is overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. And she's saying, Jesus, do something about it. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So obviously, uh, Jesus makes an unplanned visit to their house because the dinner hasn't been prepared yet. Shows up. 
There has been time for proper preparations for Jesus. And, and if you look at the earlier chapters, is that he's been in full ministry mode. He's been debating with critics. He's been arguing with the Pharisees. He's been doing healings. He's been casting out demons. You know, the kind of stuff that you and I do every day. And he wants a breather. So he just comes to these friends, these really good friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, just to relax, just to put up his feet and to be among safe and trusted friends because there is nothing like safe and trusted friends. Would you agree? I love this verse, actually two verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. You'll see on the slide behind me. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Safe, trusted friends. But Martha's frantically trying to attend to the physical needs of Jesus. You know, she's trying to prepare the, the food, the drink, Uh, the appetizers, the entree options, and she's just really busy. And then we see Mary. Mary's different. She's in the room with Jesus, and she's, she's attending to different kinds of needs of Jesus. Relational, emotional needs. And I think Martha sees this. She sees that, that Mary is not helping out, and that Mary hasn't gotten the signal. She hasn't gotten the signal that it's time to kind of, you know, help me prepare the meal. You ever experienced that before in your marriage or with somebody? You know, like for my wife, Janelle, there's a certain kind of signal. She begins to kind of talk beneath her breath. And if I don't get the signal right away, it kind of keeps happening. It gets a little louder and louder and louder. And, and I need to get up, up off my butt and get into action to help her, whatever she needs help with around the house. It's like the bat signal. You know, it's time for action. It's time for action. And Mary doesn't get the signal. And Martha blows a gasket. She is ticked. I mean, look at the text here. I mean, Martha goes right to Jesus in verse 40. You see that? Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? And then there's this question. Don't you care? Don't you care? This is unfair, she says. Doesn't it seem unfair that my loser sister here sits here while I do all the work by myself? Doesn't it seem unfair? And I love this in verse 40. Tell her to come and help me. It's not a request. It's, it's, it's a command. Jesus, tell her. Tell her to come and help me. I love the response of Jesus. You'll see this right here. My dear Martha. The actual literal translation of that is Martha, Martha. It's kind of an ancient way of slow down. Back up the truck. In the, in the Greek, it's chill out. It's, it's chill out. You're worried and you're upset over all these details. In other words, you're overwhelmed, you're overscheduled, and you're exhausted. And, there, and I, I, it seems like Jesus is saying there's so much stuff occupying your emotional and mental states right now. Martha, Martha. And I love his response. There's only one thing needed. Jesus tells Martha, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. That is a profound statement. And Jesus says here that whenever it comes for a visit with him, he comes for one thing, the exchange of love and friendship. Um, Just to be able to be among safe, trusted friends. He comes for unrushed conversation, unhurried talk. What's interesting about this story, if you look at your Bible, 
and Luke chapter 10. In the previous passage, it's actually the, the, the famous story of the Good Samaritan. You know, where Jesus tells us, and a lot of us know the story from Sunday school, is that Jesus says, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever your agenda is, cast it aside. Cast aside and attend to the needs of others. Make sure you roll up your sleeves and you help those who are in need. That's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And all of a sudden, right after that passage is this passage of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And, and, and on the surface, it's like, what is he trying to say? You got, you got the story of the Good Samaritan, and then you got Mary and Martha. And I think what, what Jesus is saying here is that, yes, we need to attend to the need, needs of others. We need to have compassion for those who are in need. But the fundamental thing that I'm looking for in my followers is relationship. Sort of face-to-face time with Jesus. We sit down in a chair, unhurried conversation, unrushed talk with our Savior. Our relationship with him is paramount. I think that's what Jesus is trying to say here. Unrushed conversation. And I just want to ask the, the question this morning, how many of us, if we're to be brutally honest this morning, feel overwhelmed, overscheduled, exhausted? Now, I was, I was sharing about this the sermon with, with uh, somebody this, earlier this morning, and I was sharing kind of the, 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 the topic of it. And, and then I said, you know, pastors tend to be the worst culprit of, of this kind of stuff. A lot of times, pastors feel that a lot. Overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. And I think for a lot of us, we're more exhausted than we should be. In fact, I think some of us had an idea this morning of perhaps sleeping in and getting, getting some much-needed rest instead of coming to church. But somehow, your spouse or God or combination of both got you here to church this morning to hear this message. Let me ask, do you think an unrushed, unhurried conversation with Jesus Christ could benefit you this week, this Sunday before Thanksgiving, as we enter into the holidays? Do you think an unrushed, unhurried time with God might actually make a difference in your life? Do you think that Jesus was right when he told Martha that the only way to get over her anger with her sister and to get over this her own overwhelmed and exhausted feelings was to pull up a chair, unplug from all the busyness, and begin a conversation with the one who could restore her, to reconnect with the one that could set her spirit right and direct her. And I think for us, the the question is, when we experience this, because a lot of us do, our culture moves at a very fast clip, and for us to kind of keep up with it, it seems like we have to in some sense, experience a little bit of this. But when you feel overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted, what do you do? What's your antidote? So what I want to do here is just just kind of draw a picture and just make some, some observations. And as we think about this, being overwhelmed and overscheduled, I think it's important good for us to kind of compare it in in a few different ways. In case some of you don't appreciate fine artwork, this is a bucket. This is a bucket, okay? And if if we were to say 
on this bucket right here, this is full right across here. This is full. What does that look like for our lives when our bucket is full? When I talk to people that are living in life with a bucket is full, in other words, they're living life the way it was meant to be lived. You know what they tell me? They just say there's, a, there's, there's just a peace to their life. That it seems like um, they make the right choices about their diet. They make the right choices about their schedule. They make the right choices, it seems, about exercise. And it seems like people I talk to, when, when their bucket is full, when they're living life the way it was meant to be lived, not, not, they're not perfect, obviously. They're, they make mistakes, but for the most part, when they're living in that way, they, they tell me there's this, this, this peace that they sense the Spirit of God in, just in a profound way, in a special way. And they'll, they'll tell me that when, they, when their bucket is full, that as they read the Scriptures, as they pray, they, they just sense there's um, whispers of God, nudgings of God on living life. And, and as they describe it to me, they'll, they'll say, when my bucket is full, it seems like love and joy come spilling out of my, li- my, my life. That I love my spouse better. I love my kids better. I'm more attentive to the needs of others around me. Um, I'm more aware of the needs of other people. It's like love and joy just spills out of their life. It's like they love even, even people from Iowa, of all people. Just love spills out of their life. They kind of describe this life. When they, when they say to me, you know, when my, when my bucket is full, when I'm living life the, the way it was meant to be lived, they'll say, it's kind of like John 10.10, 10, where Jesus says, you know, I, I came that so you may have life in all its abundance. It's not perfect, you know, but it's, it's, there's a difference. There's a qualitative difference to this kind of life when my bucket is full. Do you remember what that felt like to experience that kind of life? Well, if that's the full part and the very opposite end right here is empty. When our bucket is empty, when our energy is depleted, when we're overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. And when I talk to people about their experience when their bucket is empty, I ask them what tends to be the dominant emotion when you're in that sort of zone, when you're depleted, when you're running on empty. What, what tends to be the dominant emotion? They always say resentment. They'll say anger. They're angry at somebody or something. And that's what we see with Martha. Martha is overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted, and she resents her sister. She says to Jesus, Jesus, don't you see my sister sitting here? I'm doing all the work myself. Her bucket is depleted. She's running on empty. And it seems like when our bucket is running on an empty, we tend to um, overeat, overdrink, overmedicate. It seems like the antidote that we look for to kind of fill us up, we look for it in different ways, and, and we try to get the level back up. And, and, and a lot, for a lot of us, if it's not overdrinking or overeating or overmedicating, it's overworking ourselves, that we actually put our head down and work harder and harder and drive ourselves and the people around us right into the ground. And we just work like a mad banshee. 
But I noticed that when I'm running on empty, what tends to happen is that, and this is true of some friends I've, I've, I talked to this past week, that when our bucket is empty and we feel depleted, it's like the, the smallest things irritate us, right? We get easily irritated. Our spouse doesn't do the dishes the right way. Our kids are a royal pain. Traffic gives us a migraine. The cold weather depresses us. It's like the smallest things get beneath our skin. Even the dog does something wrong, right? And I remember a time, it was an afternoon where I was just kind of running and empty. I was overwhelmed, overscheduled, exhausted. <coughs> and my son Alex, my son Alex was, was doing something around the house. And I was busy with work, kind of this Martha thing. I was busy doing some work. And my son was just whistling. Just kind of walking around the house, whistling a tune. And it just started to get beneath my skin. I mean, he just started whistling this tune, and it was like driving me crazy. I just wanted to scream out, quit whistling! Whatever you're doing, quit whistling. It's obviously you're under-challenged. Do the laundry, paint the house, mow the lawn. If you can't figure it out, I'll help you find some challenges in your life. Whatever you do, quit whistling. So if you see me around church and I feel a little edgy, whatever you do, do not whistle, please. Okay? Don't whistle. Yeah, somebody's whistling. I knew it. I knew someone was going to do that. All right. But we tend, to, we tend to overcomplicate things, don't we? It's like the minor things become major. When we're depleted, when we're running on empty, it seems like the small things in life, we kind of blow out of proportion. We overcomplicate things. And I think for some of us, the antidote perhaps is not the over-medication, over-drinking. For some of us, it's escape. That when our bucket is running on empty, we'll actually escape into perhaps movies or magazines. Or we'll escape into Facebook. Or for some of us, we'll escape into pornography. And when you look at somebody who has the habit of pornography, typically beneath that is exhaustion. Well, they're so exhausted that they're, they're, they're too tired to look for intimacy in the right way. They look for it in a dark way. And I think for some of us, perhaps it's not those things, but when we're running on empty, we're overwhelmed, overscheduled, exhausted, it's like we deserve something. So when Black Friday comes, we overspend our budget way beyond our means because we've had a tough season or a tough year. We overspend If this is you this morning, I just want to ask the question, what will it take for you to move away from that, to simplify your life? What kind of decisions will you make to move away from running on empty, having a, a bucket that's depleted? I remember I, I was in a mode where it wasn't just a day, it wasn't just a week, it wasn't just a season, but... For me, it was actually about a year or so where I was running and empty on a regular basis. And I just remember I was driving Janine and the kids crazy. And finally, in a nice way, she said, just, you know, go somewhere. Take, take, drive somewhere. You know, whatever you do, just get out of the house. And I just went on this short road trip. And as I drove, as I drove off, I just remember coming to a stoplight. And then I eventually pulled over on the side of the road. And I just began to ask God, what has happened to me? Why, why have I become this? Because I could just sense this resentment, this anger in my life, 
where I wasn't just getting easily irritated by the small things, but I was actually angry at some people. I was actually angry at some things. In some ways, I was angry at God for whatever reason. And I just remember kind of breaking down, putting my head on the steering wheel and just saying, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. Because I realized the price, the cost of living a life of running on empty, the cost of it on my soul, the cost of it on my family, the cost of it on my friendships, the cost of it on my relationship with God. And I think for, for us as we contemplate, what does it mean to simplify my life? It means that we have to say no to certain things. It means you and I need to actually say no. That you and I would like to do a lot of wonderful things for a lot of wonderful people, but to move away from uh, running on empty means that you're actually going to disappoint some people. That you're actually going to have to say no to things that you perhaps enjoy to do. Just because of the commitment, because of the load that it, it costs and, and it, how you carry that. And over the past few weeks in my change of role here at Maple Grove Covenant Church and preaching a lot more, in the season that we're in right now where we don't have a senior pastor and some of the responsibility I have for, towards preaching and leadership, uh, for the past few weeks, Daniel and I have been talking about this and praying about this. In fact, we put it on our whiteboard in our, in our kitchen and kind of thinking about some of my commitments. And I had this uneasy feeling that if I kept with, with the same amount of commitments I, I had right now, that pretty soon... I would, I would be moving towards depletion. I would be moving towards running on empty. And I had an important decision to make. And it was a hard decision. A lot of you know that I love to learn. I'm wired to learn. I love the academic environment. And I started a doctorate program at Bethel Seminary this past June. And I knew there is no way I could keep that commitment and stay healthy. I knew there was no way that I could maintain balance in my life without my bucket becoming em- empty very quickly. So for Janiel and I, we just said, you know what, we're going we're to hit the pause button on that. And that was a hard decision. Not only for me, but also some friends of mine that we began this doctor program together and, and they were a little bummed. You know, they were a little upset that I had, had made that choice. And what I realized that, that as, for us, as we seek to keep our buckets full, is that we're going to disappoint people. That's actually part of the, part of the sort of the, the process, is that you're naturally not going to live up to the expectations of people around you. And I remember when I made that sort of choice of suspending the doctorate program, I just heard this voice inside my head say, saying, you quitter, you quitter. And I just kind of said out loud, too bad, too bad. So the question I want to ask you as we kind of close here is as we look at the bucket, what are the things, what are the people that you need to engage with to replenish, to fill up your bucket? What are those things? Because only you can decide that. It's your responsibility as a follower of Jesus to know what people what activities, what dynamics, what circumstances deplete your bucket and what, which one of those actually fill you up, replenish you. And when you face perhaps a time in work, in life, and you can't avoid it, but you know it's going gonna, it's gonna to draw your bucket a little lower, is that you need to be intentional and engage in those, with those people and with those activities 
and with those circumstances. Okay? I just want to share a few that I do that really, really help me sort of fill up my bucket and try to keep it more towards the full end. The first one is for me, you'll see this picture right here, is being in vital union with God. This is the famous painting of uh, the creation of Adam. And it's humanity reaching out to the hand of God. And for me, it's being in vital union with God. Where, um, for me, to fill up my bucket, I need to start my morning with God. To be in a chair, to pray, to be in the scriptures. And for me, it's journaling. I've been doing it for about 16 years. And I don't do it every day, but uh, when I do, it just makes a big difference in my life. Where I just write down different thoughts to God. And he hears me. And I feel like I'm like Mary in the room with Jesus and we're having this unrushed, unhurried talk and I'm just sharing my soul with God and and I'm connecting with him. That replenishes my bucket more than anything else. And I love this passage in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It's a small verse, but Jesus is in the midst of a very overwhelming, overscheduled and exhausting schedule. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, I just love this, is that he gets away to a solitary place place, it says, and he reconnects with the Father. He just gets away from all the crowds. And if you look at the passage in Mark chapter 1, he, there's people everywhere before and after that passage, but he gets to a solitary place just to reconnect with the Father. I need that in my life, and you need that in, in your life. Well, another uh, person that um, really fills my bucket is my wife, Janiel. And on a somewhat regular basis, we try to have a date night. And, and this is Janelle and I at the uh, Gopher Homecoming football game uh, a few weeks ago. And we try to make Friday night our date night. And it just seems after, you know, um, challenging week that uh, no matter what's going on, is that Janelle just replenishes my bucket. And whether we go to a movie or we go to a Gopher football game or we go to dinner together, and even a couple weeks ago, we went to the, see the movie uh, Interstellar. We had heard rave reviews about the movie, and uh, we went to the movie. And, and of course, uh, after we got our tickets, I had to go to the con- concession stand because anytime I go to a movie, I've got to have buttered popcorn and a Pepsi. So we, we go to the concession stand. Some of you are shaking your head. Uh, so we went to the concession stand, and we kind of forgot what screen it was on. It was on multiple screens at the movie theater. And we thought we went to the one, and we knew we were kind of running a little bit late, but we thought 20 minutes of previews will be right on time. So we walk into the, the theater, and the movie had already started, but it seemed like it was just the beginning of the movie. So we're sitting there enjoying the popcorn and licorice and watching the movie, and 55 minutes later, the screen goes black, directed by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> we missed most of the movie. But it didn't, it didn't and I knew we were in a good place because we just kind of laughed. And then our son just dogged us all night when he heard about that. But we just have these date nights, and, and they're, they're fun times, and they fill up. They fill up my bucket, and I need to have that in my life. Something else, an activity that I try to engage in on a, on a somewhat regular basis is golf. I try to golf on a regular basis. There's something about golfing, and this is my son and my father-in-law, whether it's with family or friends or sometimes just going by myself. There's something about golf that just replenishes my soul, just going out into nature and golfing. And sometimes my bucket's more full when I don't keep score. But, uh, but golf does something for me. And also is friendship. I have a couple of really close friends in my life, and this is a picture of me and my friend named Mel, and we've been friends for 17 years. And he's a guy that I know is for me. 
and this past week just happened to call him in the middle of the day and we just had this great conversation and I could just I just sensed it. God filling up my bucket. This feeling, this life that I was meant to live. Um, unrushed conversation, unhurried talk with a good friend. And I know Mel prays for me and I pray for him and it's just this friendship. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a good fire? And maybe for you, it is having family and friends or for Thanksgiving. That might be something that really fills up your bucket and you're looking forward to Thursday. But whatever those people and those dynamics, dynamics and circumstances are that fill up your bucket, I want to encourage you to do that. Because if you're at a point right now where you're overwhelmed, you're overscheduled, and you're exhausted, I want to ask you, what's it going to take to raise it up? What are those things that can replenish your soul? and for you to engage in those things. And finally, perhaps you're here and your bucket is full, but you know somebody who is running on empty. What can you do to pour into their life? Let me pray. Father God, we give thanks for this morning. And Lord, as a people, um, we can drift and it's very easy for us. And many of us are here this morning uh, overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. And I pray that you would give us the discernment on what to say no to, to make good choices about our schedule. And then to intentionally engage with you. To sit down in a chair, maybe for just for 15 minutes, and just open up the Bible, read some verses, and spend unhurried time with you. Or maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a, simply a conversation with a friend that we know will fill up our soul. Or maybe it's an activity, God. Whatever, whatever it is, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us in taking those steps. And I pray as a corporate body here, as a church community together, that we be the kind of people that when we notice somebody who's run on empty, that we would come alongside them and pour into their lives. And our God, our desire is to glorify your name. And we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.